I'm Riker, and this is Pilot. Things are getting spooky and weird in here today as we review The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, which you can binge now on Netflix. Just got through watching the pilot, and let's begin. Yeah, so one of the main reasons we picked Sabrina, as we did now, um, is because on the 31st of December, the final uh, season's going to drop, and I'm super excited about it. It's heartbreaking. It is sad that they're ending it, um, but I, I can see why they're doing it, because the way the story goes, like, this is just the time to end it. I don't think it's, yeah, I don't think that they're ending it because it sucks or because there wasn't enough pull. Like, that's not my take on it at all. It's that that's where the na- the story would naturally end. Yeah, you know, we always talk about dur- living during the time in peak TV where yeah. shows that don't even feel like they've, well, they don't, they don't jump the shark anymore. Shows used to jump the shark and overstay their welcome. And then, you know, after a couple years after everybody stopped watching, other than some legacy viewers who never gave up on it, well after a show's past its peak, then it's canceled, and then you go back and you watch the, the finale. Yeah. Um, so it's, I guess it's just, I haven't gotten used to this new world that we live in, in which, you know, the, the production companies, and I'm, and I'm talking about Netflix, you know, as a production company, mm-hmm. now gives the creatives the right to tell the story that they want to tell. Absolutely. You know, his, historically, it's, you know, this was the showrunner who created the show. It was the showrunner for three years, and they moved on to another show, or they got fired, or there was creative differences, or whatever. And now it's you know go tell the story you want to you want to tell. So you look at this where you have the actors are all young still. It's a huge hit, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then to be coming to a conclusion when it feels like it hasn't like maybe it, it just has. It's a supernatural tale. It's fantasy. You know, you could have as many stories as you want, and then they cut it off here when I'm still. This is one that when a new season comes on, I'm, I'm done. I'm a slow binger, as you know, and you make fun of me for it. It's done in two days. And I finish it in two days. It's like, well, now what am I going to do? <laughs> yeah, I get that. That makes sense. Yeah. So anyway, disappointed to see it go. I've definitely loved it over the years that it was on. I remember watching the pilot the first time and thinking, what the hell is this? And I guess I just expected it to be a little closer to Sabrina the, TV the Teenage show. Witch. Yeah, that we yeah, grew up I- with. It was definitely a stark difference, and you know it. It apparently I, I don't know the source material very well, but it is supposed to very closely represent uh, what the Archie Comics um, version of it. So you know we got a very Nickelodeon version with Sabrina the Teenage Witch, and maybe a very Disney version. Is it Disney? I thought it was, it was on Disney. See, oh. I actually didn't watch that much of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. My cousins did, so it was on a lot, and I'm familiar with it. And of course, Clarissa explains it all. Oh, um, yes. So Melissa I was Jen a Hart. Fan. Yeah. I mean, I was a fan, <laughs> but I was more Nickelodeon than I was Disney. Interesting. Okay. I didn't realize that was Disney. That's so wild. Mm. I never had Disney. So, and I, ah. for some reason, could swear I saw the Nickelodeon. I pirated it back in the day when torrenting was all the rage. Good thing your identity secret. Oh, yeah. No kidding. Well, I mean, the thing is, it's no longer on my computer. So, like, there's no <laughs> longer evidence. Yeah. There's. <laughs> Me saying it's happened is not, I think, enough. <laughs> I think you're in the clear. <laughs> Probably at this point. Plus, in those days, you just couldn't get content. You really couldn't. Um, and definitely not like in a way that you could binge. Like you got them out of order. You yeah. got them as they were on broadcast Questionable TV. Questionable quality. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if they're going to penalize me for my version of it, it was the grainiest thing in the world. And now it's available, I think, on like Hulu. Right. Um, well, and then you probably because that's the Disney ABC. That's why ABC, all the ABC shows okay. are on there. Uh, the Connors. Um, <sighs> I love the Connors. And uh, ABC is owned by Disney. Oh, well, there you go. I did not know that. Oh, the more you know. So the funny thing about um, us having that relation with, you know, the original, well, what we consider the original one, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, is that in season four, not that this is about season four, this is pilots, mm-hmm. um, but in season four, the um, ants. Well, of the current the, show. Yes. The, season four of the of, Chilling, of the Adventures, chilling of Adventures of Sabrina's. Yes. Yeah. So um, the ants that played... You know, that were the the actresses who played the ants in the one that we grew up with um, are having a cameo in the chilling adventures of Sabrina. So, so it's kind of a weird crossover. Aunt Zelda and Aunt Hilda yes. from the Disney version of the show will be in season four of Chilling Adventures of Sabrina on Netflix as Aunt Zelda and Aunt Hilda? Yeah. Uh, in an alternate reality, not to give too much away, but. Um, so we yeah. just watched a little preview for that clip. Was that on YouTube? Yes, it was. Okay, what can people look up so they could... I, I actually think Netflix had... Like, you know, they have their trailers and that available. There was the, the movie... Oh, it was the WB, by the way, not... Um, oh, interesting. I was like, that's but not correct. Did it, get <laughs> picked no up, did it get picked up on Disney later on? I don't think it did. Okay, well, the, it, the reruns were always on Disney, so they always watched it on Disney. I could see that. Yeah, and I seem to think... That later on it became a Disney original show, but maybe it's because ABC is what you're thinking. Oh, it became okay. ABC, which is it went owned to by ABC. Teen. Yeah, it went from WB to the bigger network. Yeah, interesting. Oh yeah, and owned by Disney. Okay, mm-hmm. so well, we got that worked out. I we needed the facts before we got the hate mail. Uh, yeah, please. <laughs> if you stopped listening earlier, you know, bummer for you because we got it right eventually. <laughs> Send us some hate mail to pilots the podcast at gmail.com. Is that right? Yes, that's okay. it. <laughs> pilots the podcast at gmail.com. So I know I have friends that when this came out, the intro clearly communicates that this is to me, mm-hmm. uh, that this is a comic book. Uh, spin. It's a telling yeah. It's of a, a comic rendition book, of a comic book. Which I guess Sabrina the Teen- Teenage Witch. Actually, there's the original. There's even original comics from the '60s. So at mm-hmm. the very end of that, there's a cute little blonde girl with like a beehive hairdo. Yeah. That's either her from the comic books in the 1960s, or you know, made to uh, convey that. And it was Sabrina the Teenage Witch or Sabrina the Cute Little Witch, something like that. Oh, was it? There was somewhere in there, Quotey Fingers, the Cute Little Witch. I don't know if that was a tagline or if that was the title. The Chilling Adventures, I think, is a more modern comic book series. Is it? Okay. That took place in the 60s. Oh, you're right. It is. Sabrina the Cute Little Witch. There you go. Mm Mm-hmm. So that was, so the the WB and ABC show, the Disney version, Actually has similar source material, or the original source material is, and it was more, you know, fanciful and more fun, and it wasn't uh, as dark as this is. Mm -hmm. So then they did the Archie comics later in some period of time, and uh, and then made this off of that. But if you didn't know the Archie comics, what you knew was Sabrina, the Teenage Witch. So to see this pop up on Netflix one day... Mm -hmm. 
As these things, I think, usually happen, that if you're not familiar <laughs> with it coming, you're, if you're not fiending over it because you're a fan already and mm-hmm. you're, you know, checking up on it's it. It's that Netflix Google is actively News. promoting it and it's, auto-playing it every yes. moment that you yes. open Netflix. It's when Netflix tells you this feature. is trending, so watch it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so we all watched it, I feel like. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember what I was what was going on in my life at the time. I think I had some downtime. There was I was in a transitionary period of life or something. Yeah. Uh, and or maybe my birthday and Sabrina's birthday are around the same time. They are, yeah. So it could have been something like that. Anyway, I remember going through it really fast and thinking, well, I don't know what this is. I don't understand how Harvey fits into this because he's not the Harvey I would have expected. That's not yeah. the love story that I recall. Not the Harvey Kinkle we grew up with. Right. Who is? I mean, there are similarities. He is still kind of naive and wholesome seeming. He's very innocent in this one. Mm-hmm. He's a, Wholesome is a good word. He's a very wholesome kid. Yeah. Um. So... But it was bizarre, I think, for people talking about it. You know, when it was when it was the water cooler talk. It was, have you seen Sabrina? I remember my friend Ashley saying it was like it was just too dark. She just couldn't get past um, how dark it was. How yeah. Zelda kills Hilda, which doesn't happen in this episode. Um, it's not really a spoiler. If you haven't seen it, you'll see. <laughs> also, if you haven't seen it, like, come on, you're listening to a podcast about it. That's not my responsibility to protect you. It's not. Well, and it's not. <laughs> It's not a huge part of the plot. No. So it's, but there's just some of those dark elements she just totally rejected and just couldn't. She seemed like she couldn't get past her, her You know, I think if you're expecting it, it. Yeah, I was going to say, if you're expecting it to be like Melissa Joan Hart's Sabrina, like this is not your show. It's like, not a kid's show. It's not. Um, it is about a, a 16-year-old all the same. Um, but it is. it has much darker themes. And I thought it was interesting. Um, they did lead with the intro. There's no cold open. Or anything yeah. to speak of. So, and I do feel like that immediately fit into our first category, which is uh, does it establish the genre uh, or genre or the conventions of the show? Um, and I do feel like it did. Um, I immediately felt it was spooky, creepy. You had chilling images. Like yeah. <laughs> it was very aptly named and very aptly conveyed in just the imagery you get. Um, as well as like it's it's got kind of Halloweenish sounds mm. to it. Like it sounds like this a soundtrack to Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's like the least scary song ever, and I don't understand why they made it for Halloween. Like aside from just to be silly. Because Halloween, unlike Christmas, doesn't give you those kind of feelings that you want to sing about. So it's like if you're gonna get a Halloween theme song, it's probably gonna be kind of stupid. Yeah, touche. <laughs> Plus, it's a kid's holiday. <laughs> so there's that. Uh, it shouldn't be. <laughs> but the intro, I agree, very helpful because within the first several episodes, I remember looking up, because of the intro, what is the source material for this? Because this would appear clearly to be from a comic book. Yeah, absolutely. So I, th- I feel like it takes the source material, puts it right in front of us, and says, hey, um, if you're, unless you're really not paying attention at all or just not getting it because it's not your thing to get. Sure. Come on, everybody. Get it. Well, and <laughs> Go it does. take a look at it. Like, we don't want to be hearing about the Melissa Joan Hart show. <laughs> this is the source material. It's a different thing. And it was helpful because I went looking for it because of that intro. Absolutely. So it tells you a lot about um, the tone. It gives the, the intro, I feel like it captures the tone mm-hmm. of the show very well. Yeah, and... Um, you know, immediately following the intro, Sabrina narrates, and I don't, I don't think we get much narration from her otherwise, other than to introduce us totally. to be like, hey, you know, this is Greendale, a you know, a town that always feels like Halloween. 
Um, and it's, you know, a place where they had basically witch trials, much like Salem, but they don't speak of it. Um, and yeah, I mean, yeah. it really sets the tone. And then she specifically says that she is, this is a story about a half mortal, half witch. Yep. Um, and, and she is that half mortal, Stuck half between witch. Stuck uh, between two worlds. Well, it was more plot centric in our setting. So, oh, so I yes. put on our, on my <laughs> genre card, uh, I broke it up. I, I thought this was a pretty controversial thing to do, you know, for those in the know, um, for those <laughs> in the biz, uh, the <laughs> all the seasoned professional podcasters out there <laughs> they get it um so in the plot <laughs> greendale because it didn't have a card for setting even though we you know that's probably more in keeping with genre anyway here we go <laughs> <laughs> doing the weeds all right uh greendale uh like you said town that always feels like halloween and the genre she says i'm a half witch this is a story about a half witch half mortal stuck between two worlds the witch world and the human world yeah, and absolutely. that's the whole—that's the whole genre. It's a supernatural show in a fictional town that's never going to feel real. It's always going to feel like Halloween. Boom! There you go. It's the next part of the story. And that was within your thirty seconds to a minute that you really enjoy and what you feel makes um, it much stronger. That you rate them much higher. Not to say that it is a complete necessity. There are artistic liberties that can be taken with it, so it could be that it's a slow burn, but. You usually tend to rate them higher if that is the case, and I felt like they nailed it immediately. Totally. Well, I, you know, if it's a show that artistically needs to give you a slow burn of what understanding what the genre is, then cool. But that's rare. So I yeah. feel like if it's if it's unclear what the genre is early on, it it's either muddled storytelling or it's artistry that I didn't jive with. If it's for an artistic purpose, then, you know, you break all the rules for artistic purposes. Sure. That's That's the whole point. But a lot of times I don't feel like it is an artistic purpose. It's just a failed conceit of the show to uh, explain to you what the what the laws are of the universe we're in. And uh, if you got to spend time trying to trying to bargain with yourself of how far your uh, suspension of disbelief should go to appreciate this... Then, then I'm not following the story. I'm not looking at the other things I'm supposed to be looking at. So this tells you in the first 30 seconds, this is what your suspension of disbelief needs to be to enjoy this. Absolutely. Now let us tell our story, which was great. I thought that was cool. Yeah, definitely knocked out all the... It, it made it have less to do with the part that, you know, yeah. like sometimes I feel like some shows are really great, but they give themselves too much to, sh to do and mm -hmm. that they could have just very easily just dropped us in this setting yeah. and that, you know, we're good enough that we can get it. We don't need more than that. And I feel like it was, it, it fixated on the things that needed to and did away with the things that didn't. Totally. Uh, so easy breezy. And you know what the best part of when the genre is clear? What's that? Is we get to toss that card aside and move on to <laughs> characters. <laughs> so we both give genre a pass. Clear. Outstanding. Clear pass. Mm -hmm. Yep. Very right. successful. So our main character, of course, is Sabrina Spellman, or as Harvey calls her, which makes me cringe, Brina. Breen. Uh, it's just awful. Uh, <laughs> certain names just don't need to be shortened. Right. Um, <laughs> or but that's neither like, here nor there. Figure out another thing. I know. Sab. Oh, no, I'd hate that even more. <laughs> so. <laughs> I guess Brina's better than Sab's. How about Rena? <laughs> I hate it all. Why do we need to shorten it? It's a Rena, beautiful name. Rena is that shows you right there why you have a problem with Brina. It's Rena, which is awfully renal in nature. Yeah. Yeah, that's not good. That's not good. 
So she is a half witch, half mortal. Um, her mom, Diana, is the mortal, and her dad, Edward, is the witch, and they are deceased. Um, we are to believe they died in what a plane crash, in a fiery accident that might have been the it might have been uh, what's the word um, per- perpetrated. Purposeful? Yes, <laughs> it may have been murder. made to be look like <laughs> made to look accidental. But yeah. not accidental. And magic could be at play. Sure. Because uh, Edward didn't do himself any favors with the uh, hierarchy in the Church of Night. Yeah, he's he was a high priest a at the time, and he married a mortal. Very and, controversial. And had a child with the mor- said mortal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so very controversial stuff. Um, so Sabrina is turning 16 on Halloween, and then she is supposed to have her dark baptism. And shed her girlhood and uh, enter full witchhood. Yeah, and it's interesting. You know, her mortal friends don't know, which is very, you know, I guess we kind of expected that, especially coming from, you know, the one I'll try not to talk about too much, which is Sabrina, the teenage witch. I'll just call it Melissa Joan Hart's Sabrina. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, in the same vein, her her mortal friends don't know. yeah, and she she wants to help them out, but is, again, very sneaky in the way she is able to do that. You know what would have been fun? What's that? If we could have had Melissa Joan Hart on the show to talk about. <laughs> Melissa Joan Hart, if you're listening. And how, yeah, and how this later show is affecting her life, because she's obviously hearing about it all the time. I'd be curious if she has any interest. She's obviously a fan of the show. I'm sure she's listening. Anyway, I bet she's moved anytime. on with her career, though. I feel like she's... I don't know what she's doing, honestly, after that, but... She had a sitcom on recently, I think it was on a Did cable she? channel. Yeah, she's I active totally, with I her husband. Totally watch that. Ooh. I can't remember what it's called. Maybe we've got to review that next time. We could have her on. Oh, we should have her on to talk about that. And uh, <laughs> and then we could just say, hey, like, is this... How sick of su- talking about Sabrina do you get? Yeah, no. See, and I feel like that's probably the case, where especially if it was something you had as a childhood role or, you know, even just early career, you know, as a non-actor or actress, I, I just can't relate to it. But, you know, they seem to be very over that chapter in their lives. Um, I know that that's the case with, um, oh, gosh, uh, the gal who plays Buffy Summers. She's just not I mean, it's not that she's she hates that role. It's just that. She's done with that chapter in her life. She has no interest in being a part yeah, of the reboot. It wasn't that it wasn't as big a part of her life as it was for everybody else, believe it or not. Yeah, Sarah Michelle Geller. Yeah, like one. I super did that at a period of time mm-hmm. and it took up a lot of time and yeah. then I don't do that anymore. And all the time that you still knew me as Buffy, I was still myself doing other things. It was never the only thing that was important to me that my face was on. Yeah, she's more into cooking now than she is acting. Right. So. And she's married to Freddie Prince Jr., which I just saw recently. Yeah. And I thought those two to get like, oh, those two would be great together. Because they're, they're like um, Hollywood nice people. Daphne and Fred in <laughs> Scooby Doo. They were. Yes, in the live action. Oh. It made me really delighted. I was like, oh my, I just, I really love it when that happens. All right. So my point was that uh, I'd love for Melissa Joan Hart to join us because I know she's listening and she uh, can talk about it, whatever she wants. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, we have Sabrina first, obviously the biggest character here. Like the universe res- revolves around her. We meet her friends, Rosalind and Susie. Um, you know, they have things to do. Here. We meet all her crew at the movie theater right after the intro. Yeah. And they're seeing a zombie movie. 
uh, and she's pretty nerdy about like oh, horror she knows, movie yeah, things. Yeah, the the whole culture of it. She explains why they're slow moving versus fast moving, and that yeah. that's a recent development. And has like the she's totally a a horror film buff. It seems, mm-hmm. um, which would make sense as a witch. So yeah, so given that she knows the actual historical yeah. background for these things that are ooh, actually real of how her perhaps. actual uh, life is portrayed in pop culture. One yeah, could say. that's uh, a good point. So, and that's all because she grew up as a human for the most part. She's a mortal, yeah, mortal. living a mortal lifestyle with other kids and going to school. Uh, Zelda says later we should have homeschooled her as tradition would require of us. And they didn't, which is causing uh, discord in her life right now because she's questioning whether or not she's questioning whether or not she wants to be part of the church at night and be a witch and put her name in what's his name um the dark lord's the book. dark lord's book which already just sounds super ominous and like i would if i were her i really want to know what all that entails does that just mean i'm joining the church of night like what is there to that because right. that's just i don't know like what are you signing away yeah and nobody's nobody's shooting real straight with her on that yeah, absolutely. But she knows she needs to end her mortal life in order to do that. Uh, how does she put it? She says... She needs to be reborn. Is or Keep talk- talking because I'm looking <laughs> for this. Yeah, she talks mm-hmm. about needing to be reborn, um, and specifically in the grove of trees where she was born almost 16 years ago, that she's going to need to be reborn um, and shed like her mortal ties or something she's going to have to sign her name in the dark lord's book and renounce might have been the wrong word all meaningful connections to mortals and all meaningful connections to mortals that part was a quote so she's not a lot so she's got to break up with her boyfriend harvey who you know they're kind of taking the next step together and boyfriend girlfriend stuff uh and she she said that right yeah 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 uh (laughs) but she is still quote-unquote virginal so you know and it is important for her to be such um you know when she has her dark baptism where she signs her name in the dark lord's book right and he sounds like an asshole i feel like the dark lord here when she they're saying you has harvey defiled you yeah it's very um is it puritanical maybe or just very Culty. very patriarchal like the whole you know the man controls whether or not the women have has sex or not mm. like it's it's like mm, nope <laughs> yeah but like in a cult where where the the head guy at the top just sure. decides what the women folk do yeah oh yeah yes i will keep all the women folk for me um i've watched documentaries about about cults those cults yeah okay well good so yeah it's right in keeping with that Good um, to know. Yeah. <laughs> Is it good to know? It's sad to know. Um, I mean, it's knowledge is power. It's sad that it's the reality. It's icky. It's it, Thank you. Yep. Yeah. That's exactly the word. Well, just ran off like 300,000 listeners. Sorry to criticize your cult. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> Rosalind, Susie, anything you want to hit on those two? Uh, I did want to note that Sabrina Spellman was played by uh, Kiernan Shipka, who we saw as a little girl in Mad Men, which made it all the more weird to see her in kind of... They had a bath scene in the pilot that I do not remember them showing her basically totally naked. I mean, she is naked. They Outlines. Don't show, yeah, they just you don't see the parts, really. I, I got the sense it was probably a body double. 
because they cut away so you didn't see her face when they cut back around sure. behind her. So I was sort of under the impression it wasn't her, but yet really bizarre because she plays a 16-year-old here. Uh, we've known her since she was a little girl, like yeah, a little girl absolutely. on Mad Men, and she's always been great. Like she's really a natural oh, at this. Um, like she's meant for, for fame and a long um, career, I feel. And yet when they sexualize her in the show, which they kind of do every time the opportunity comes up, I feel, makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, absolutely. And we did have a little bit of a discussion before we started recording, but I feel like that's something we've both felt a couple of times where it's just like, I mean, I guess she's a 16 year old and she needs to be seen as a 16 year old. And like, let's, let's face the reality of it. 16 year olds are sexually active a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's not always the case, but to, to play it any other way would be, I think, disingenuous. Um, I don't think that they try to be child, like child porn in any sort of way, if that makes sense. Like, I don't feel like we're supposed to be attracted to Sabrina, um, although she does occasionally dress no, rather provocatively. I feel that we're supposed to be. And th- I think really? that's what gets me about it is they present it in a way that's like, look, she's not really 16. I get it. She's mm-hmm. playing a 16 year old. I get it. I get she used to be a child and madman. And it doesn't mean she's not allowed to take weightier roles later. I don't mean any of that at all. Yeah. But she is playing a 16 year old. And then I feel like they do present it in a way that's supposed to, you know, um, that it puts it right in your lap saying, oh yeah, she's a hottie, huh? It's like, you know, you don't need to Make that my responsibility. <laughs> yeah, like point, don't pre- like don't present that to me and and uh, get me. Don't put that in my head and then blame me for it. So it's it's a little odd because because you're right. It's like mm-hmm. it, it would be a realistic part of her life that sexual things are happening. But sure. you know, I don't have a problem with it in the in the narrative at all. But it's yeah. all the it's all the points that we get to put her in a bra and kind of gaze a little bit too long and show this outline and go, oh yeah. Yeah. Karen Shipka's no longer the little girl on Mad Men. So yeah, I get it. Yeah, so She's I guess she's now the 16-year-old was... uh, Sabrina Spellman. Brina. Yeah, she was 19, I guess, when this started, or 18 or about to turn 19, because she was born in 99, and this came out in 2018. So like, she is technically of a you know an okay age for for such a thought, even though as she an is actress as an actress. Yes. Right. Only as an actress, not as a... That's my point. <laughs> Absolutely. So they definitely ride like a very uncomfortable line with that. Yeah. But uh, more on maybe her friends. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Rosalind and Susie. Susie is... Well, how do we, we want to put it? I, I would say she's kind of... Wrong. She's being bullied for being kind of androgynous. Like, there you go. Um, you specifically get most of her d- dilemma is... Um, that the football team, a handful of boys from the football team, pull up her shirt um, to see if she has breasts. To see if she's really a boy or a girl. Yeah, absolutely. And she lives in constant fear at the school, is what they establish. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, uh, sorry, Principal Hawthorne uh, just didn't want to help her at all. Like, it was very troubling having Sabrina try to confront him and bring this issue to him, which is like, you know, what you would hope in any sort of a TV show is you're like, just tell the authorities. Why do you try to solve it yourself? But... She absolutely does. She tries to go to the proper channels for this and says, hey, you know, like she's being bullied. We need to take care of this. And he goes, well, Susie could always just go to a different school. Yeah. It's like, oh, you don't think that that problem would follow her there? Kind of, you know, like that that would be an issue anywhere and that she is deserving of your protection. Or that you should start with some reasonable accommodations before before suggesting, look, we appear to have failed here and 
and uh, think that there might be better fits for her, that she could actually like be herself and be comfortable there. Like we don't even try to make accommodations for her. Well, and 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 why would she have to change? You know, like why why not expel or at least suspend the problem students and make them have to change their act? Like she's not doing anything wrong. She is not doing anything to them. So, um, which. Uh, I think ties in with what Rosalind has going on because they form a club. Yeah. Uh, uh, which they call Wicca. Sub- right. Sabrina, which is a women's intersectional <laughs> cultural and something association. Mm-hmm. Yep, uh, exactly that. <laughs> um, they, uh, Sabrina summons some witchcraft power to make uh, <laughs> the teacher, to make Principal Hawthorne uncomfortable. Yeah. So that they could get this club passed in the couple of days that he's taken off work for yeah, PTSD. Yeah, some spidery imagery, which her her cousin Ambrose, who we don't understand, like we don't ever get who his parents are and how he's a cousin because it actually neither, makes no sense. Neither Hilda nor Zelda are, you know, his parents, and he's a full, full mortal, so it's not like it's on her. Or sorry, full, full witch, so it's not like it's on her mother's side, right. where it's like, oh yeah, it's my mortal cousin. Mm-hmm. No, no, he's like full, full witch, or you know, whatever. Um, is it warlock or is it witch? He's a warlock. Okay, well, you know. Well, I think she says you're full, whatever. He's full magic. <laughs> yeah, and he's been so under house arrest for 75 years. Which is funny because that's um, in Melissa Joan Hart's Sabrina. So, uh, that's Salem's Salem. role. So I feel like he really fills in that role and then they make Salem not talk because it shouldn't be comical. And having a puppet cat is, it's really hard to take that seriously at all. This was hilarious because he was so funny in he was, the he Melissa was. Joan Hart show. Um, okay, but we brought up uh, Ambrose because mm-hmm. he suggests to uh, Sabrina yes. during the witching hour of midnight-ish that they're <laughs> going to do a little spell yeah. and freak Principal Hawthorne out because she finds out from uh, Miss, Mrs. Wardwell, who we need to talk a lot about Wardwell. Yeah. Um, we, <laughs> we need to scare the shit out of this guy. Wardwell tells him tells Sabrina, oh, he's really afraid of spiders. He's super afraid of spiders, which causes, uh, so they do a spell so that he's consumed by spiders, which everybody's afraid of spiders, and anybody mm-hmm. who wants to tell me not is total bullshit. You squish them with your bare hands, That's though. I'm sorry, there's a line. That's scare me so badly, they got to be killed. On ha- I stick you, Taylor on them. You know, like, I don't even want to be near that. What if I let it get away? Who scares it? Who's, who, <laughs> who finds spiders scarier? I don't let them get the best of me anymore. <laughs> You still let them get the best of you. No, I've got they a tailor. Like, I, let, I let them know who's boss <laughs> right away. I immediately educate them. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, this guy just there. falls onto the floor that's being consumed with digital spiders and lets them crawl into his mouth. And he it's doesn't like, let okay. them. They're just everywhere. He sits there and screams, and they crawl into his mouth after he trips and falls on the floor. Yeah, if I were to have a spider on my face, my reaction would be scr- scrunching up your face, so it's, mm, don't get in any of my face holes, yeah. please. None of them. <laughs> and then you're rolling over hands and knees, and you're running out the door. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That would and be you're not move. feeling pain in that minute. Like, you could be stubbing your toe. You're going to be out the door. You'll be setting your house on fire yourself to let those little suckers know who's boss. I've considered it. I've had a, I've had a house that had, like, huge spiders that you could hear like oh, when you, you vacuum it up steps? no oh, you vacuum fine. it up and it's like thunk, 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 thunk. i'm like oh, no spider body should I ever do that it's not like this is a tarantula this is like a right. regular old spider but yep. um yeah so it's funny because she wants to you know give this imagery and ambrose who is 
helpful to her and coming up with spellcraft. Like he is obviously well versed in spells and she's, you know, she's 16. She's just starting to learn this side. Um, but he goes, are you sure you don't want to kill him? Because we could do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't want to kill him. Just want to, what is it? Just keep him out of school for a couple yeah, days. Yeah. She wants him to go on sabbatical. Yeah. So that they can get you this sure club approved. You don't want to kill him though. <laughs> <laughs> so we get the club approved. This is basically what we get out of um, Rosalind and Susie in this, who are prominent figures in the show. You know, they're very much part of a, of the ensemble. ensemble. Yeah, I But there's like so much get... to do this first episode. Mm-hmm. I feel like we, we do a good job of letting the audience know it's part of her very close circle of friends. These Absolutely. guys are going to be a part of the show. And she's very supportive of them, which is a part of the show as you continue to watch. She's very devoted to her friends and making their lives better. Uh, and even because we were watching this and I said to you, I think we kind of we didn't really talk about it. But, oh, here's the beginning of the like of the decline where she starts doing this all the time as the show goes on and gets herself into trouble because she she starts magicking her way through lots of things. Yeah. So at this point in the show, this is the first time that you see it. And it's little and it's kind of harmless. It's like, what does somebody say? What did you make a... Like a voodoo oh, doll. Oh, yeah. So, um, you said, yeah, kind of like that. Yeah, Roz goes, oh, you know, Principal Hawthorne never takes a sick day. What did you do? Stick pins in a voodoo doll? And it was just like, teehee, she doesn't know. <laughs> right. Yeah, basically. Basically that, yeah. <laughs> Something like it. Uh, so anyway, we, we established the characters of the friends and how they are relevant to Sabrina mm-hmm. really clearly and easily here. Uh, we get the relationship with Harvey, yeah. where it is a really, it's like a really pure, adorable, like first love kind of thing. Where yeah. when she's looking at him all doughy eyed in the truck and then scoots up next to him, puts her that head on sweet. him. Yeah, exactly. And it's, uh, and he, there's, they're, they're making fun of him at the very beginning when, when they go to the, the uh, coffee shop after they see the horror movie. Yeah, they the post mortem of the horror yeah. movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to go talk about it, and sh- and uh, and she's saying, "Oh yeah, it's a, she's it's an allegory for the collapse of the nuclear family when they made the movie." And mm-hmm. he's saying, well, "What?" Like, and she said, "You didn't see that when this happened? You know, when the daughter turns into a zombie and eats the mom." And Sabrina says, "I think Harvey's eyes were closed at that point." In time. <laughs> so he is not a character who's well suited for this town. And oh, well yeah. suited for this genre. <laughs> yeah, he's a little it. out of place there for yeah. sure. Um, he reminds me of nice Mormon kids that we grew up with. <laughs> we're just like, what? Like, no. Like, I don't know anything about that. <laughs> I can't watch that. Are you kidding me? I wouldn't want to put that kind of stuff in my head. Absolutely. Which was which was nice about him, I think, and it's even kind of because it does. He's not like dumb because in the old show he was kind of dumb. He was so, he was dumb, so dumb, and that was the problem. He was the with dumb him. guy. He was he was the Joey yeah. of Sabrina. Yeah, or the Phoebe, or any of the other characters in Friends. Oh, that's such a controversial <laughs> view. Well, I guess if uh, you want to weigh in on that controversial view, you should go back and listen to our episode on Friends. That's episode two, and hate mail goes to <laughs> pilotsthepodcast at gmail.com. And you can find that at pilotsthepodcast.com. All right. <laughs> Just plugging throughout. I like this it. Like, you listen to talk radio. <laughs> and by the way, uh, if you if you don't use the Sunsetter retractable awning, I love mine. It's like, no, you don't. We're reading from a script here. And we're just, we just plug our other 
episodes. Yeah, that's good. It's it's fine. Yeah, it's good. No one else is paying us to plug anything else, so <laughs> this sounds dirty. That seems like which, a, that's what she said. Which they should be paying us to plug things because we have millions and millions of listeners all around the millions. world. Millions, absolutely. Uh, um, where's the where's the farthest country that we have listeners in? Do you know? Nope. Sure do you don't. see a breakdown? Do you get a data breakdown of any of the platforms? I, I do, but like I'd also have to look look at a map, and my geography is a little behind. I haven't really done much geography since the seventh grade. Since geography, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I killed but it. But I got a really though. good. I did too. I, I killed it. But how could you not? It's like, did you study it? Did, did you, you memorize learn? things? Yeah. yeah. Did you fill in these squiggly lines? Yeah. No, I feel really <laughs> embarrassed. I'm not going to say which country it is because I do know I have. <laughs> buddies there but i did not know where on the map it was i definitely thought it was in uh south america and it was 100 percent in europe and i had i said it in front of somebody and they like absolutely called me out on it they're like have you looked at a map i'm like clearly no why are you asking me about geography it's not my job <laughs> oh when i served dinner food when i when i served mm-hmm. at a seafood restaurant one of the specials was uh a salmon but it said British Columbian salmon, British Columbian Atlantic salmon. And somebody said to me, uh, so it says right there that it's British Columbian salmon, and it says it's Atlantic salmon. I was like, yeah, right? And I was not putting it together that British Columbian salmon would be Pacific. Oh, yeah. Not Atlantic. Yeah, and no, I, I was like, wait, which ocean yeah, is that? Yeah, and I can't. I was looking in your eyes thinking, I feel like she's not realizing how dumb I was in this No, movie. I had a feeling that the uh, mis- there was a mismatch yeah. in like what, but I, I can't ever remember. Like I just, because I don't geography. Live, I don't live by an ocean. Next hint yeah, as far right. as who we are and where we live. I do not live near an ocean. But and- <laughs> I did work at a seafood restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even eat seafood. <laughs> and I can't so. remember how I answered it, but I said something like, yeah, it's, uh, you know, British Columbia doesn't. Canada. And he was like, yeah, I know. <laughs> it was very embarrassing because it was mm-hmm. the same thing you're talking about. Like, hey, you want to look at a map? Has it been a while since you looked at a map? It's like, yeah. okay, yeah, it has. All right. It's not part of my job. I'm not thinking about it right now. Like, right. I'm trying to take your order. I'm not trying to, like, you know, the only maps I look at are visualize the world. Yeah. <laughs> Google Maps. Yeah. Well, that's a little bit about us and how uh, <laughs> dumb we are about <laughs> about geography. <laughs> hey, but we know a lot about TV. And that's what's important. <laughs> mm-hmm. Not a lot of shows about ge- famous geographers. <laughs> <laughs> um, so one quick thing. Uh, we don't get much of them, but we get like a quick introduction to the... Um, I, I called them. Yeah, the weird sisters. <clears throat> I called them the, the academy mates, quote unquote. <laughs> Because they're not really mates. She doesn't. They are mean to her immediately. They immediately put a curse on her when they. Yeah, and those are the orphans. I don't think we know yet that they're orphans. Yeah. Which is the Weir sisters? Which is uh, Prudence, Agatha, and Dorcas. Is it Weir or Weird? Dorcas? I never know for sure. I think. Okay, so the Weird Sisters is also like fun fact. uh, One of the band, like it's a fictional band in the Harry Potter series. Dumbledore is a big fan of the Weird Sisters. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, that's neither here nor there, but I thought it was kind of a, an interesting crossover. <laughs> no, that's for a, uh, our podcast on books, which I am not a part of. <laughs> uh, nor am I yet, but I'd love to start one. Ghost Only books that I have read already, though, because I don't want to read a book oh, as homework. Yeah. That that guarantees, even if it's a good book, I probably won't read, well, it. read it. Well, plus it would cut in all your TV time. 
It would. Can I've really actually spoil been things here. reading quite a bit um, and setting TV aside, which feels unusual, but it's a Stephen King series. So like that's bound to happen. It's the only thing I'd um, set aside. TV plus they're for. making a TV show about it, aren't they? No, they should. I told you they should. They've made said. a movie on it. And oh, I'm, I'm just, uh, like, never, never send a movie to do a TV show's job. No <laughs> kidding. Um, so the weird sisters are Agnes Dorcas, which is the stupidest name. Why would you name your kid that? Agnes or Agatha? Oh, I thought it was Agnes. Whatever. I accidentally said Ag- Agatha. Oh, okay. Um, well, I may have been wrong. So let me. Let me do some of the research. Yeah, who's wrong? Let's but, uh, wrong. but the other ones are Dorcas and Prudence. And I guess you should probably know that like they're not sisters because they look nothing alike. Like they are all they're all representative of different races. Like <laughs> one of them is like redhead. Redhead and super pale. The other one is black. And then the other one I believe is Asian. Am I wrong? Like am she I misremembering? Seems like she might be half Asian. I don't know. But yeah, they're clearly not related. Oh, yeah. Clearly not related. Um, I guess that doesn't necessarily mean but that they're not. Oh, you're right. It's totally Agatha, oh, nice. not Agnes, uh, which makes sense. Agnes sounds. Well, I won't make judgments about the name Agnes. For <laughs> all the Agneses listening. Yeah, all two of them. For all both of you. Exactly. <laughs> in, in Ukraine. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so these three come in, I don't know, we're in the woods. While Sabrina is calling for a familiar, I believe. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, they show up just to put a curse, just to curse her and tell her that she's not welcome uh, in the the school. Yeah, let me look at that. The school name. I wrote it down um, because it is the Academy of Unseen Unseen Arts. Arts, Right. Plus, they all grew up together, I think. All the the witches and warlocks have been around... Are they? Do you remember once we go to the school in later episodes and and see what that world is like? Um, I'm under the impression, or I guess I've always been under the impression, that all the other witch and warlock kids grew up with each other in a non-mortal community. Yeah, you would think so. Yeah, I think, and maybe they clarified that, and I and I don't remember. I don't think so, especially not in this episode, um, because. To me, we have the whole, you know, traditionally they would be homeschooled. And it's like, okay, well, it seems to me that Sabrina's the only half witch, half mortal, because this is just kind of blasphemous mm. in their, you know, society. So I don't imagine anyone else exists like that. Um, and they're traditionally homeschooled. So it seems that, you know, it's pretty normal to be kind of immersed among mortals but not have a connection to them like that. They're in the mortal realm, but not connected to it. Well, in the Melissa Joan Hart show, mm-hmm. they have like the other side. Yeah. They call it the, <laughs> the, other, it? the other realm, the other realm. Right. Oh, it's actually, I was like, what do they call it? No, it's actually called the other realm. <laughs> yeah. So they have the other realm and there's no other realm in this, or there's at least no sense that like, I think there's a kind of a sense that, Witches and warlocks still exist in their various covens. Yeah, they that they on the live, world. Yeah, within Greendale specifically, yes. uh, or in rural Greendale. Yeah, in the forests and sure. stuff. Um, which has never been very clear, but I think it's fun that it's not clear because it makes the world feel bigger when something else comes up later in the show, when there's various Absolutely. other witches and various other parts of the world. Um, 
And yeah. it kind of makes it seem like there are there are magical parts of the community that we're in that maybe mortals aren't aware of or don't have access to. Sure. Such as the uh, School of Unseen Arts. The Academy. The Academy. Academy. The Academy. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to do that. That's hilarious. <laughs> so anyway... I can't remember if everybody's showing up at the same time at about the same age, but the sisters uh, show up and they tell her, you're a half-breed and stay with your own kind, which I thought was interesting because she doesn't have one. She doesn't have a kind. Yeah, She's lived she a mortal life, but either. she's actually not. So where does she go? And it's one of the many things in this episode that's pushing her away from the idea of putting her name in... The Dark Lord's book. The Dark Lord's book. Because uh, they come and they they curse her, and it's a blood curse, you know, as the as the uh, show goes on. Well, we'll get into that in plot. While we're on the Weird Sisters, I really, um, and I, I heard you snicker at it as well, that uh, Sabrina calls them suck you bitches. Suck you bitches. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> that was really great. That was, <laughs> that was in my quote card. <laughs> well, and everything they do in this show, it's like, oh, for heaven's sake. It's always, oh, for hell's sake. Yeah. Oh, for everything's inverted, so it's... Uh, for Satan's sake. Satanic, yeah. yeah. Uh, which, I always wonder, the show has to have a pushback in certain circles. Oh, it does, And yeah. I've read a little bit about it, but I would think it'd be much louder than it is. Uh, my boyfriend Taylor knows much much more about it than I do because he's you know he researches things and you know if it's not all day working <laughs> well and if it's not easy for me to like you know if it's not a quick read and I have to do a lot of digging on it and I don't care that much about it uh, I just don't do the work so you know I have a Taylor for that uh, for that and killing spiders so you should get yourself one of these it's very useful <laughs> yeah, you can find them at a Walmart near you. At a tech school near you. <laughs> At a tech school near you. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. Um, apparently, there was some pushback because they used a lot of the imagery, like specifically who they used for the Dark Lord was used by, or, you know, an image from the Church of Satan. Um, yeah, they actually, it was like a copywritten the yes, statue. absolutely. The statue is something that they w- shouldn't use. I guess what mm-hmm. I mean is I'm surprised that I don't hear a louder pushback on this show from Christian circles. Right. Well, the way that you, that we did, you know, that we experienced with Harry Potter. Yeah, right. That it was just like, you know, we're Christians. We don't do this. Or, you know, we're LDS. We we do not allow this. Yeah. And it seemed like that Harry Potter would have been so much less controversial than this. However, that was for kids. Maybe that's the difference. Perhaps. You know, you can watch this or don't watch this, but it ain't a kid's show. Yeah, I guess that's a fair point. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Well... Let's start moving on from the Weir Sisters because we don't get anything from them outside of that. However, they're going to yeah. be a prominent part of the show, and they are our only introduction outside of her family right now. Oh, and I guess Father Blackwell at the very end. Uh, Blackwood. Blackwood uh, to the you know non-mortal reality of Greendale. Definitely. Well, since she's summoning Salem, I think that's probably a good time to talk about him ever so briefly. Um, you know, not a talking cat. Um, it turns out familiars are not funny at all. No, they're not no even animals. They are goblins that take um, animal form to be more comfortable, I guess. To for serve the, witches. To serve witches. Yeah. Um, and Sabrina says he doesn't serve me. You know, I protect him and he protects me. Symbiotic. Yeah, it was symbiotic. Symbiotic. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah. So, and there's a cool scene where he, uh, she's getting chased down by a voodoo doll scarecrow Scare man <laughs> in apple picking in a, a cornfield. Oh yeah. No, it's a haystack maze. <laughs> oh, okay. Or a straw maze. I don't it's know. It's a, it's a fall maze yeah. thing for Halloween. Um, and they're out picking pumpkins at the apple orchard. It this does check out, yes. <laughs> You're not getting that wrong. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> and Salem in uh, a blur in a sort of lo- Looney Tunes blur of dust ball, like ah, the fight's on. We don't really get to see it. Um, I didn't even think it was like terribly Looney Tune because it was it was quick no, and it wasn't, wasn't really campy. But it was like it was like when the Looney Tunes okay, come into a dust ball and it's like, oh you can't see the action. Yeah. It kinda happens in the background. It's very dramatic. It's, it's a very big, horror it's film. a blur of yeah, of uh action mm-hmm. and like a lion roaring. It would seem that he can change forms back into his original form and has probably other powers. Yeah. Because he it's destroys large. this thing. Yeah, becomes large for a moment. You just you said that you just saw his tail, his original goblin tail. Yeah, when we meet him as a goblin where he's kind of in the darkness, you never really get to see what a goblin looks like. Yeah. So it kind of gives you this blur, this digital blur of, okay, that's definitely not, not a cat, mm-hmm. but that was the tail that we saw earlier. So theoretically, he changes in a goblin form and then has other powers that he uses to dismember this scarecrow yeah. uh, skeleton thing. And I, I had commented to you, and it is kind of spoilery, I suppose, in a sense. But that's really the most I feel like we really get from Salem. Um, he has a couple minor parts other than that. But he's not as significant in this show as he is in Melissa Joan Hart's. And not simply because he doesn't speak. Like, they just don't give him a whole lot to do, which <laughs> you had a perfectly fine explanation for this. Because it's, it's an actual cat, and those can't be all that easy to work with. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I've heard from other actors brent spiner being one brent love you buddy i know you're listening Um, (laughs) (laughs) brent spiner who talked about spot in star trek the next generation he said that cat was the worst actor (laughs) i've ever co-starred with (laughs) so i think it's one of those things like when when uh an actress gets pregnant so they write her pregnancy into the show and then it's like oh she was pregnant we did that we uh we acknowledged that she was putting on weight, was clearly pregnant, mm-hmm. uh, and then we're never going to see this kid again. It's just always going to be kind of in the background because we know that happened, where we can just move on from that briskly. It's like, yeah, no, the cat needs to be in the show. We don't really super want to work with the cat, so you know, we try to only bring him in for one day of shooting a month. Yeah, absolutely. And it does feel like that's what you get out of him, which yeah. is interesting because when he does show up, though, it's, it's to do something heroic. It's, it's a big deal sure. when he's involved in the plot. Absolutely. Or because they wrote themselves into a corner and needed a quick fix. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the ants. Very important. Was, we haven't got yep, there yet. That's oh, the card I had in my hand And we as need well. to talk about Mrs. Wardwell. But yeah, mm-hmm. let's do the Those ants. are my last two character cards. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> so let's do aunt- her aunties first. I really like, by the way, their aunties. Aunties. Or aunties. I don't know. Oh, that's probably how Ambrose says it. Aunties. Yeah, aunties. Our aunties. Everybody's British except for her. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if her dad was or not. It like would we make said, sense. the family tree's more of a vine. It's like a bush. It's like one of those vines that grows out and puts roots everywhere. It just grows yeah. out too. Where Ambrose clearly isn't related in any actual logical way <laughs> to her or the I have aunt. cousins that are in no way actually related. So that makes that makes perfect sense to me. Um, <laughs> because it's, you know, hey, you're you're familial but not blood. Uh yeah, we we took we accepted these is family yeah absolutely so maybe it's that 
I sure. don't think it is, though. Anyway, um, Hilda and Zelda are very, very different than each other, first of all, and mm. than Melissa Joan Hart's version. Um, but <laughs> but Hilda is, like, super compassionate. And you brought up, I didn't notice it before, but, like, she does her magic through food. A lot of cooking. Yeah, a lot of which, cooking. Which, to me, in in my head makes me think potions like mm-hmm. she's a potion maker yeah absolutely and kind of a tinkerer like she and she's very like she's the one you go to for like a home-cooked remedy yeah like, absolutely. oh yeah we'll just whip this up real quick it'll be perfect for you just what the doctor ordered you are going to be just a-okay yeah she could uh detect that you know sabrina had not completely washed off the curse that you know the weird sisters had put on her because she did a uh, a spell she takes a shower and did a spell to get the if whatever I thought I remembered it, something about uh, get this hex away. Yeah. Um, and says, okay, I already took care of it. And Hilda says, oh yeah, we're gonna see about that. Which I thought, I thought visually was super cool because yeah. Hilda gives her an egg. She breaks the egg into a bowl and yeah. it's bloody. It's just oh blood and it's yeah. It, it would be an alarming thing to see. Yeah, it means that there was a chicken that was supposed to be in that egg. Yeah. <laughs> I've done it before. <laughs> I know I've done it before too. I don't know if they if that was I, I kinda doubt I don't know if I don't think that was the case. Go buy a blood egg. Yeah. Um or if they Hollywoodified it. But they did a great job because it's <laughs> yeah. alarming when you see it and she goes, Absolutely. Ah, just what I thought. It's a blood spell. That's what I thought. Yeah. So it was a fun I guess it was a fun way to visually see magic with practical effects Mm -hmm, so whenever it's something that she's doing it's always kind of a practical effect and it's always fun and just sort of earnest and motherly absolutely i I felt like she had a real caretaker personality um she was the empathetic and she's a peacemaker i i can't totally tell on this um you know at least in the pilot episode i will say um it's not clear to me whether she feels that the mortal realm is she doesn't find it as disgusting as Zelda does. Zelda right. really is just like, hey, Hell you know, witches it. are better. This is the thing we should do. But Zelda is a very compassionless. She's cold. She's She kind of has like the superiority complex. She's very traditional to the old oh, ways. Absolutely. That is witch law. But why? Because it's witch law. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a reason we have these rules. Absolutely. So she's very uh, legalistic. Mm-hmm. And you can tell... Hilda reminds me of my aunt in a lot of ways. Yeah. And she would have been the kind of mom that was, you know, like, oh, well, I don't really want you guys going out drinking. You want to come have margaritas over at our house? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, my cousins are teenagers. Um, oh, which always margarita. shocked my mom that she would do that kind of thing and shocked me because I had, my mom was like, no, you don't do that. So to see the, the, the dichotomy between the two yeah. where Hilda – is more accepting of the fact that it makes sense to Hilda that uh, Sabrina would be struggling with dis- this decision. Yeah. It's like she's made the decision herself. She feels like there's, you know, that's the correct thing to do. But she she uh, she creates a safe space for Sabrina to feel. Absolutely. And Zelda does not. Or, sorry, Hilda and Zelda? Yeah, Hilda's okay. the sweet one. Zelda does not, yeah. Right. I yeah. keep thinking her name was Zero for some reason, but it's Planet <laughs> of the Apes. My bad. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I do feel like it mirrors uh, Melissa Joan Hart's version in the sense that um, Hilda is a bit more lighthearted and that Zelda is a lot more serious. And I think that those are the only real parallels we can draw. I am really excited to see them cameo in season four. Now, when you showed me that, because I wasn't sure if it was just a um, 
promotional like a, a promotional thing or if it was a little web series that they were going to do to lead up to it yeah so however they included that i think it was it's brilliant that they're going to go there especially for all the talk of this is not the show that we know like we want our aunties back yeah it's absolutely like, well, it's, it's not the show that you know but to be able to reconcile the two with that just brilliant i love i love Actually, I love fanfare. I love well-earned and well-thought-out. And I don't know if it's going to be earned or thought-out. It feels earned because there's an appetite for sure. it. But I love fanfare like that. It's like, oh, my God, all the nerdy little wish list items that we wanted to see, like the ants in it, are going to be in it playing themselves in some sort of alternate reality thing. Yeah, Hilda, which is Carolyn Ree, and then Zelda, which is Beth Broderick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, Zelda brings and i said before everybody's british that was my american ignorance that i said that but uh because I, i'm pretty sure not. she's an irish ac- uh, oh. actress okay but she's so good mm-hmm. i think she's just so and if, if with all of her uptightness and all of her unlikableness in especially the beginning of the show sure um even so she's such a compelling she plays the character in a really compelling way i feel like yeah and uh, in part She's so cold. She's so mean at times that that I feel like as an audience member, I look for moments of compassion and understanding from her yeah. because like you just want it from her so badly at times. And other times, hmm. other times, you know, Sabrina's maybe doing something she shouldn't be doing and you're looking at Zelda like, Zelda, will you please step in here and save the day? Like, will yeah. you please like... You be, need to do something about this. Yeah, will you please be the boss that you are and yeah. uh, let the family know why this, why these rules are important or why this was the direction that you gave because everybody's just too freewheeling with it. So, you know, to have her and Hilda in the same way that the other two characters were different mm-hmm. and uh, did, you know, accent each other, they do that here, although in a different way, in a much more serious and dramatic way. Yeah. But they're just so good. Their answer, especially as the show's gone on, are equally as they play the same role for us as an audience. I feel like that they're never necessarily central, but sure. you're always excited when they're on screen. Absolutely, you always love coming home to the ants. I was really curious when you said that the actress who plays Zelda is Irish. Turns out Miranda Otto is Australian, oh. um, and Lucy Davis, who does Hilda, is. English. Miranda Otto is uh, Mrs. Wardwell. False. Oh, really? I have, yep, Michelle Gomez is Mary Wardwell. Oh, she's Australian. Okay. I'm sorry. I took that. Uh, I wasn't sure which character was which in the intro. When it said Miranda Otto, I thought that looked like uh, Wardwell's character. Yeah, no, Wardwell's character really makes it, well, the actress makes me especially happy because she's in Doctor Who. So any Doctor Who fans who are looking for a little more the mistress, mm-hmm. um, yeah, <laughs> she is in uh, Sabrina, as, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina as Miss Wardwell. Uh, which is, we did this out of order the intrigue around her character came early. We were introduced oh, to her early well, on. She's the B story, I think, in this. Oh yeah, no, I'm cool with it. But cool. um, but she she would just to be clear with the audience, she's yeah. very prominent here because Absolutely. there's a major plot thing that happens. Yeah, they is, met her at the movie theaters. I mean, not met her, met her, but like you know, they ran into her at the movie theater right at the like opening scene, very beginning. Yep, she was also in the horror film. She just catches them from time to time. Sabrina invites her to go, you know, do the postmortem with them at the coffee shop. 
And, you know, as soon as she declines the offer, you know, Ross is like, why would you do that? What are you thinking? And she's like, well, she just lives alone. You know, I feel bad for her. She she's lives a, alone in the this that creepy house. Yeah. or. Well, she's like a spinster type. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, who's, you know, in her 40s and lives alone. And she's, she's devoted to. Yeah, she's devoted to, you know, teaching the kids in, in high school. And uh, she's the unofficial town historian. Who knows a lot about witchcraft and no, I'm sorry, not witchcraft. Um, the witch history. The witch history, yeah. The yeah. Uh, trials, the witch mm-hmm. trials. So they set her up as kind of a dynamic character, actually, uh, yeah. and then she is killed horrifically and almost instantly, and replaced by a mystery character who keeps her identity, although sexy and dark. Um, who is there to do the Dark Lord's bidding because yeah. he can tell that, uh, that Sabrina's Sabrina yeah, is wavering on her commitment. Here it is. The Dark Lord senses her attachment to the mortal world mm-hmm. and has sent his minions to ensure. Yeah, a, a servant is what I wrote down, that she's a servant of the Dark Lord and that we Very don't know good. more of more on why or what role you know uh just yet she actually does have a pretty huge role that you later discover but you know i'll let you binge the series to discover that on your own but she definitely is a very iconic character i suppose huge part of the show uh she goes from meek to marvelous in this transformation too because the other gal didn't even wear makeup like at the horror film thing like she came out like big glasses yeah big glasses she was definitely you know is as much in Hollywood as they don't wear makeup. She was not made up. Um, and then, you know, she comes back to school all sexy, no glasses, bright red lipstick, thick eyeliner. And she's not... She, when she shows up mm-hmm. sexified, she's a sexy woman. Oh, absolutely. And what I appreciate about her, uh, or her particular brand of sexiness, is that she's not, like, Hollywood sexy in the conventional terms. I don't feel. I mean, she's got a, uh, she's got, she's got like a wisdom about it, like a mm-hmm. dramatic weight to her. She's got a presence. A gravitas. It's, yeah. It's not, it's not just, oh, there she is. She hot. Mm-hmm. But when she, when she makes her conversion to, you know, the servant of the dark Lord, whoever that person yeah. is. And you see her, cause when you first meet her as an actress with her hair in a bun, I noticed this time that she clearly has very thick like voluminous mm-hmm. hair yeah. that's just in a bun at the at the movie theater. Yeah. And like nobody ever sees her this way. But mm-hmm. like that's hair that needs to be shown off. Like Absolutely. She's a she's got some stuff worth showing. So when, <laughs> once that happens, she just sort of dominates every scene she's in, I feel oh, absolutely. like. Like you're always kind of halfway looking, at least. Like you're either Fixed on her or halfway always paying attention on her when you're supposed to be paying attention somewhere else, wondering what's she doing, what she got going on, what's she up to, is she evil, (laughs) is she good? Yeah, because she's supposed to facilitate the Dark Lord who we're not supposed to, like at this point we don't know if he's bad or good. Like to them, to us it kind of seems like that's, you know, what witches aspire to, so it's not as bad as it sounds, but you know, it's the Dark Lord. So is she evil, is she good in the sense that, you know... She stands for, she is, you know, a not a good witch, but she's not an witch, evil character. Yeah, I know, right? right? Is she a villain? Is she a villain? Yeah, it, absolutely. And we don't know. And she's sort of one of those, at this point, she seems to have that kind of frenemy mm-hmm. vibe. Like, 
she's the one who puts in Sabrina's head. Oh, uh, Principal Hawthorne is deathly afraid of spiders. So she helps her along. She helps her get things done that are just important to Sabrina. Like it was important to Sabrina to get the club pass so she could uh, stick up for her friends. But so there was no reason for her other than to convert Sabrina to trust her as a confidant. So is she a mole or is she more of a frenemy? Uh, We don't know. At this point, she certainly seems to be a little devious. Definitely that. But she would seem to be season one's heavy, you know, Mm -hmm. season one's boss bad guy which however that goes it it feels the at this point yeah that she would be the the antagonist of at least this season um which you know could could you know a- angel is he a good guy or is he a bad guy is <laughs> buffy's boyfriend good or evil <laughs> yeah. that kind of Ooh. vibe and the intrigue the of not knowing is what <laughs> makes you want to know uh yeah i mean especially since you know, if she's just trying to push, she she did send the evil scarecrow, you know, the demonic scarecrow after Sabrina. So, I mean, very early on, she is at least an antagonist. But, you know, grand scheme, is she good? Is she evil? Who knows? But And her role is not to kill Sabrina. Uh-uh, it's, it's to push to Sabrina toward uh, the Dark Lord. And Absolutely. sign this book on her dark baptism, which we don't see in this episode. Now, while we're on uh, Michelle Gomez, really quick, since mm-hmm. we've been kind of looking up their nationalities or whatever, she is Scottish. Oh, she is. Yeah, which makes sense. A lot of the actors on Doctor Who are Scottish. Uh, well, her voice is—I think you could tell. I mean, she's doing an American accent, which mm-hmm. is pretty flawless, but it's kind of got an affect that I've never heard it. It's like a mid-Atlantic accent that the old-timey sure. actors used to have. Well, I tell you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, very my intentional dear, with my her dear affectation. Sabrina. Yeah. <laughs> Where it's sort of European and it's sort of not. Absolutely. But it's very formal and stiff. Uh, Faustus Blackwood. Yeah, this that's the last, one I, the last one I have as well. And we get very little of him, just that he is the high priestess of night. High the priest. dark lord. Sorry. Pre- oh, yeah. He's not a priestess. <laughs> this isn't a, a spoiler. He is not a priestess. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, just an oops. Uh, just an oopsie. Uh, sorry, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> eh, sorry, not sorry. Um, yeah, he's the Dark Lord's representative. And he comes in in the final, what, 10 seconds? Is that what he says? Or that's what they say about him, that he's a, the yeah. Dark Lord's representative? Yeah, and it's I, obviously <clears throat> exposition for us because I would imagine Sabrina knows what the high priest is and oh, does sure. because her father was the high priest. Oh, but I wouldn't necessarily assume that she would know him or know Not exactly know what his role would be within the church. Because, well, but they because introduce him as the high priest. He's basically there because she requested, hey, is there somebody I could talk to about oh, some mm-hmm. of this stuff? And she is... Coming in, I assume, when she tells her aunt, hey, I have a decision about my baptism, which was really not up for debate. It wasn't yeah, it really, wasn't a decision to she be She didn't, had. yeah, get the opportunity to make a decision. Hilda maybe created the uh, the false illusion of choice, but Zelda wouldn't have gone for it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but she comes in after the thing with eating the apple and getting the vision of, like, everything burning and the trees being, the, uh, the witches hanging from trees. Uh or, you know, ha- having been hung, which would appear to be a flashback to a long time ago. We don't know what it is, though. Again, part of the intrigue for what's to come. Mm-hmm. She, she had an alarm. Everything's pointing to don't do this. Absolutely. Don't get baptized. 
So she's getting visions. She's getting omens, like the bat flying through her window, some of the other stuff that I'm not remembering right now. Yeah, while we're on that, I did uh, look into what she had said because it's absit omen was the Latin phrase she spewed out when she did it right before she mm-hmm. threw the book on the bat to put him out of his misery, presumably. I don't know. Um, it means may may the omen be absent or may this not be an ill omen right. or, you know, what is... Uh, Away so with this bad omen. Yeah, may what is said not come true. And it's old, old, like this is an old meaning. Apparently it's in some of Karl Marx's work, which I found interesting. I don't know in what context, but I found that really interesting. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, wow. <laughs> yep, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I don't either. Yeah, um, but I, I thought I that just, was kind of cool. Yeah, that's helpful because I heard something omen and it sounded Latin-y, so mm-hmm. I immediately wrote it off as something I wouldn't understand. Witchcraft stuff. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was looking into it when I was trying to figure out if it was a bat or a crow because it was, it was hard for me to see and I thought that it was a crow and that's probably because Miss Wardwell's uh, familiar mm-hmm, yeah. is, well, you know, the, the lady who inhabits her body, her familiar is a crow. Yeah. The character goes by Miss Wardwell at this point. Yes, so because we everybody will thinks to call her it's that. still the mm-hmm. the teacher who just had a who just got glammed up. Yeah, <laughs> made <laughs> not over, murdered and replaced. Yeah. Uh, okay, so that's oh Blackwell visits and that's where we end. He mm-hmm. she's coming in to say hey I ain't doing it and he comes in saying hey I'm from the dark church the the Church of Night the Church of Night. Uh, and we're going to have a little talk. We're going to have a little sit down. can't remember what the last line is that takes us out. Yeah. But we get him right at the end, and he's going to be introduced in the following scene. To get to the point, uh, mm-hmm. I thought it was a great introduction of all the key characters. I agree. Yeah. You, you, regardless of how much screen time everybody got, it seemed pretty clear who you need to keep an eye out on. Absolutely. Who's going to be important to us, who we're invested in already. Are we already invested in them? And I felt, yeah, there was a pretty good investment in everybody. Absolutely. You know, for good and for bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very compelling characters. The, you know, even the principal who I wrote down, who I, I don't seem to recall going on to have much to do in the show. Yeah, I can't principal remember what Hawthorne. happens to him. Uh, I seem to recall he comes back. But even him, he's just so, sort yeah. of a... How did how did Wardwell put it? His puritanical Puritan- masculinity. masculinity, which I thought was really on point for what the rest of the show kind of addresses, like mm-hmm. some of the puritanical masculinity yeah. even in the Church of Night. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I thought that was interesting. Yeah, and so he's like this 1960s sort of character because it's kind of a 1960s vibe town. For a while, I thought I had no idea what era this took place in. Sure. Which is modern time because they're using iPhones, but the TV, the the comic book, I believe, took place in the 60s. Yeah, a- Ambrose had a laptop. With yes, the, exactly. <laughs> so it's sort of, this takes place in the 60s unless we need it to not. So, like, visually, it's 60s-ish. Nothing, nothing feels modern until they're on their tech, which they do very little of. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, because why have technology solve a problem that should Witchcraft be solved with? Solve. Mm-hmm, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> It's not a sci-fi show. It's a supernatural show. Yeah. But they had just just little of it enough that I feel like it won't date it terribly. Um, like, you know, when you see a yeah. TV show where they use a flip phone, it's like, man, the days of the flip phone. When you watch uh, Total Recall. When I watch Total Recall with Arnold Schwarzenegger, it's like, wow, this is so, like, 1980s. Like, <laughs> this is the future. The future is... Really, 1980s. Yeah, that's funny. 
All right, so characters get a pass from both of us. Clear win. Yep. Nicely done. Congratulations. So characters. moving on to our third of four categories, the plot. Does it clearly establish the plot to come in the rest of the series? I think so. Uh, I would say so as well. My summation was this. It's, it's a coming-of-age story in which she's, Sabrina will be pushing back against tradition and... Uh, and there's demonic forces <laughs> at play that will be influencing those decisions. Sure. And we're going to continue, you know, exploring in that world. Yeah, that she's going to probably continue to struggle deciding where she is going to go, whether it be the mortal world or, you know, her, her witchy ties. There's a lot of mystery that we have to flesh out. So they've set up some of the some mysterious things pretty well. What's going on with Wardwell? What's going on with uh, the Dark Lord? Is this as ominous as it seems to be? Yeah. Uh, is the Church of Night getting a bad rap? Because they kind of insinuate, look, nobody's evil. It's just, you know, there's Wiccan stuff and there's non-Wiccan stuff. Yeah, it, it's. I think we're supposed to see it as just a different religion. It's not like a good and evil thing. Mm -hmm. It's not a, I mean, yes, you choose the Church of Light or you choose, you know, you choose the Church of Night. But it also, I mean, it's kind of like, well, are you choosing Buddhism? Are you choosing Christianity? Right. Like, it's, they're think, supposed to have kind of similar ties, I suppose. I think they call it way. the path of night or the path of light. Okay. Does that, does that sound right? Uh, I wrote down church, but oh, if, you, wrote if church. you said okay. path, then, you know, I think they're, they've, they've used both. So. Oh, okay. Well, there's no church of the light, per se. So, whatever. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, so, it, so, but they make that clear, that there's two ways she can go. The mortal way or the non-mortal way. Yeah. In episode two... Not part of our review, but in episode two, she says when she, when Blackwell Blackwood mm -hmm. is meeting with her to try to you know convince her that Church of Night's all all good, she says I'm not an evil person, and he looks at her and he laughs. He says neither am I, neither are your aunts. Yeah, uh, he calls her aunts. Uh, neither am I, neither your aunts. Yeah, and I think what it says about this religion is oh, in polite culture along the path of light, they would characterize us as evil. But it's not evil. It's just dark and light. It was just two totally different things. Yeah. And then they go like, mm, you want to go kill Hawthorne? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Right. I mean, they're... I would read that as they just have different values where one, you know, Buddhism values, you know, life beyond. So, you know, me killing the spider, for example, mm -hmm. is really poo-pooed upon right. whereas you know it doesn't make me evil under christianity exactly. like that's just kind of the expectation you know one kills spiders um yeah, they'll yeah. kill mortals like killing a bug absolutely because mortals are really kind of an inconvenience and now and then they massacre witches absolutely so we're not super cool with mortals but you know we cohabitate absolutely so we're not supposed to take it as they're evil yeah all that to say um do you have anything more to say on the plot to expect? Well, I was trying to remember what I was talking about to begin mm. with, and I don't. But I, I think hope it was I didn't just, derail you. No, I don't think so. <laughs> I, I think it was a little unclear. Uh, I know I, I had mentioned when she says, I'm not an evil person, oh, he says, mm -hmm. neither am I, neither your aunts. Uh, but that's not, like, we don't get, we're not sure about that. Yeah. Like, yeah, you could say that, but we're not sure that she's not being led down a really dangerous path toward evil with mm -hmm. alongside the dark lord because a lot of the stuff that she's going to be that she's being asked to agree to that as an audience we're looking at going oh that's pretty dark 
Oh, I remember the word I wanted to apply to it is there's an aspect to the witches and warlocks that's hedonistic. Okay. Like when you go to the school later on, you kind of get the sense that like there's a bar at the school, like that everybody's kind of oh, yeah, like drinking absolutely. and having sex at all <laughs> different points in time. So sure. certainly different values. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely <laughs> different values. Anyway, no, I don't think I had a lot more to add to the plot. Uh, there's a lot of mystery sure. in this sort of good evil world that we want to find more. Yeah, and I think they do about. try to in- inform that a little bit um, when she, you know, bites into the apple, yeah. malum malice, um, and is supposed to, you know, get some truths. And you know, it's just really creepy. She ends yeah. up spitting it out, and you know, <laughs> doesn't doesn't want to see further. And it does make it seem like the Dark Lord is perhaps ominous and. You know, as you would expect, kind of dark. <laughs> yeah, there are dark forces at play still. And yeah. we don't know where that's going to lead her. We don't know where that's going to lead the, the family. We don't know if she's going to need to uh, reject her mortal life or if she will reject her mortal life, if she's going to have to break up with Harvey and say sayonara to Roz and Susie. Um, but I think for the question in front of us, is it clear that, that's what we we should be expecting from the plot. And I would say, yeah, absolutely. They did a great job in, in clarifying what we're watching and, and what the story is. I agree. All right. So finally, we have, does this show hook you to watch more in just the pilot episode alone? Yes, but I wouldn't say, we often say that the hook generally occurs at the very end. Um, okay. I, don't, I don't think just the, you're about to hear more from Father Blackwood. Was that wasn't the hook for particularly me. intriguing? I mean, I was happy to know more, and mm-hmm. and if you were to be binging it, season episode two starts with oh, here's a conversation with Blackwood. Sure, I'm going to continue watching because I want to know. But what that uh, conversation yeah. Is, yeah, so there's not a a one clear specific moment that hooked me, or maybe you know maybe we could find that moment. But the world that they've set up here, sure. yeah, I want to know more about it. It's super fun and and totally subverts expectations of what you would have gotten from a Sabrina show. That makes sense. Um, I guess for me, it's not the conversation with Blackwood that was a hook for me. It's why are the Dark Lord and Blackwell, the, you know, somebody so high up in the church of night, why are they so interested in her signing? Why her? Why that? Like, I just want to know why they're interested in that. And so that's what that to me was kind of the hook. Like why there are. Why did the Dark Lord send his like number two person? Mm hmm. To go make sure that she's manipulated into signing it. Yeah, that I mean, like, what happens if she doesn't? You know, mm-hmm. because it it may not just be like, oh, well, you know, we lost one, but you know, she's only half mortal anyway. So, like, what's what is there to that? Right. Um, you know, and of course, the ultimate question: which side will she choose? Right. So uh, yeah, I agree, cool. and. You know, I actually appreciate that there's not a single moment that I look at and say, oh, I want to know more about that. Yeah, it's they're, the whole show. Yeah, they're developing a world uh, with, you know, the parameters that will be operating in that world. They're developing a set of characters that are, that are, have to be, they don't need to be likable. They need to be engaging, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so all the Very characters compelling. are engaging, compelling, and, and, it's, and it's a fun show to look at. She's at a town that perpetually feels like Halloween. You go into her house the first time with the the main staircase, the center staircase that then goes two different directions. So oh, impractical. She lives in a mortuary, the Spellman Mortuary. Yeah, that, that, we did miss that. Yeah, that yeah. Uh, uh, what's his name, Otto Ambrose. Uh, Ambrose seems to do most of the 
morgue work. Yeah. Uh, he seems he to be the, the, science-minded the guy. mortician. Uh, technical. Yeah, he's very. He seems to be kind of technical in his yeah in his appreciation of witchcraft too. Like he knows a lot about it in an mm-hmm. academic sense. That's true. Mm-hmm. Um, so the mansion that they live in—I don't know what they call the. I think it's just a smell and mortuary. Sure. Which feels like a haunted house, right? It really does. Yeah. Feels like an old, like a dilapidated old mansion, but it reminds me of the Munsters. We used to watch the Munsters at Nick at Night, and they had this giant staircase, and they would lift up the staircase, and there was like a dragon that lived in it. Interesting. Where the set piece itself was, well, the set piece was what gave that character the dragon thing that they would go like throw, I don't know, whole chickens at or kids at or something to feed it. It was just some nonsense sitcom thing. Um, but but it kind of made the, the house itself, the set piece itself, a character like it provided so much to the show's personality absolutely that the the art design and the set design really is integral to the enjoyment of the show or you know creating that world mm-hmm. and i think maybe just deserves an accolade all in it to itself mm-hmm. because it's it's notable absolutely it really sets a tone yeah and it's not, you know, it's funny, it's not too dark, right? Because it, it's a coming-of-age story, so mm-hmm. it's sort of adolescent in its themes. Absolutely. Uh, and yet demonic. <laughs> yeah, the demonic part is like, in subject matter only, I guess. Like, I don't feel like it's dark in the way that, I can't, I don't watch much dark, like many dark things. So I can't really think of something off of the top of my head that I watch that's terribly dark. You got anything on that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'll watch. Uh, you know, back in the day when torture porn was all the was all the <laughs> like uh, rage, and yeah, like Saw, Saw and Hostel. Like, okay. I'll watch. I'll watch that stuff. I'll, I've even argued with people who say this is just too dark for mm-hmm. for uh, people to be watching. This shouldn't be something that that is being made because it's so so far out there that we can't normalize this and i always looked at it and thought i don't know i i can appreciate the practical the effects mm-hmm. you know the makeup that goes into that like they did so many clever things it was so fun with its you factor like that's a good point it never felt real mm-hmm. um but it felt really cringy <laughs> yeah i guess that makes sense so it's not like a horror film it just has some horror themes to it yeah so, so it's not that dark. It's kind of middle of the road. They balance it well. Mm-hmm. This show balances it well, where it doesn't feel like like a like an American audience can watch it. Just a you know conventional consumer of television can watch it and not feel like they're being subjected to satanic ritualistic stuff. So it feels pretty fantastical. I mean, I think we're in, so. a, in a supernatural fantasy world, which the rules of this world have some you know points in history that it acknowledges as as a basis of mm-hmm. of where the mythology of the show is coming from yeah but that it's still the mythology of the show and it's uh, you know they're making up that mythology as it's going along and it creates a fun world that frankly when uh, when this is done when sabrina raps it's like i hope one of the reasons that they're okay rapping it is because there's going to be 
spinoffs that come out of it. Oh, yeah, that would be good. Yeah, and I don't know that that's a plan. I don't know what they would do with it, but I think they've developed a world that's interesting enough. I think there's a Riverdale connection. Mm -hmm. Archie Comics, uh, I think Riverdale and Greendale are like neighboring communities. They mention Riverdale in later seasons of this show. Yeah. So, you know, maybe it's it's already showing up. Maybe the... um, the, I'd have to watch Riverdale to know. I've never seen. Well, it's a I CW show. And I, I know. Don't watch CW That's shows. why it's kind of strange, for sure. Right, uh, but it kind of same market, right? Same, yeah. uh, like, like teenagers, young young adult uh, demo yeah. person who would watch it. But anyway, they've created a universe here that I want to see continue to be fleshed out because I really like it because they put a lot of care and a lot of attention into it. Definitely. All right. Do you have any quotes for us? No, I actually was able to cross all of those off in a rather natural, yeah, just as they came up. I liked that a lot. Deft work. Yeah. Whatever that means. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 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 Yep. (laughs) Nicely done. You're natural. You're getting very good at this. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I appreciate that we don't necessarily need a segment. It can just be a thing I cross off and... You know, if there are just a bunch of, well, I feel like the boys really warranted kind of its own section of uh, this was a, yeah, one liners. And this wasn't like a comedy by any means. I say isn't like, it's not a comedy in any, any vein of the. Well, I didn't have any, my, my, my card is blank, um, but. Save it for next time. And yet, (laughs) I was thinking that, and yet there are still quotables that we included. Absolutely. Because they were, they were relevant to the characters and relevant to the plot. Mm -hmm. Nothing ever felt heavy on exposition. Yeah. Where you got made-up rules in a made-up universe, it's really easy to go too heavy on the exposition and just explain away things through magic or just have that character who just knows all the magic things you need to know. Yeah. There wasn't a whole lot of that. So all the quotes that we had probably informed those kind of things because they were important to the understanding of the show or the understanding yeah. of the well, characters. Sabrina was our audience surrogate. So, you know, For either sure. Hilda and Zelda explained it through, you know, what is required. Mm-hmm. Um, or Ambrose, you know, also gave like the academic, you know, more in depth. But it was, still wasn't something that I would have expected Sabrina to know. So I didn't feel like, you know, OK, we'll hold my hand through this. Right. Yeah, I mean, anytime something was explained, it's because she needed to know about it. Absolutely. And maybe had a little nugget of knowledge about it already that needed to be fleshed out, kind of like we do as an audience. Yeah. So overall, would you give the pilot a pass as a successful pilot? I absolutely would. Very successful. I wouldn't, and here's why. (laughs) (laughs) Just because I want to be contrarian. No, obviously. Yeah, I thought that was your answer, yeah. To be contrarian. (laughs) (laughs) Nope, just because I'm a jerk. Um, so that's a pass. <laughs> oh, easily. I love this show. You oh, know, yeah. this I was guy- actually surprised that you did. I, I think it always surprises me when you like things that are seem for a younger demographic because you like your very serious dramas. And so this one really surprised me when you're like, oh, I love it. And I was I, like, yeah, me I too. like all sorts of things. I just never appreciate that the CW seems to think that in order for a younger demographic to enjoy it it has to be stupid and lame Mm. and feel cheesy and cheap yeah i've always rejected and i like as a teenager i always rejected when it felt like this is made for teenagers so you'll accept Mm -hmm. the fact that the production values are poor and it's stupid um so but you know content wise that you know there's all sorts of different i love grace and frankie on on netflix and that's kind of cheesy actually but it's made for a mature audience so i i guess there's something about what Netflix does that says, hey, 
there's an we're no longer pandering to the 18 to 49 year old demographic that uh, advertisers always wanted in the you know in the Nielsen days of broadcast TV. So now they can tell stories for all kinds of people. Absolutely. You know, it's like why would we not be interested in what uh, mature adults in their 80s would be would be dealing with, or you know, with the with the stories of their romantic exploits and and career and and even winding down or having health issues and and being not elderly and then being hit with something that could disable you like in grace and frankie like why would we not be interested in that why would i not be interested in a coming of age story like i have a coming of age story right like we all do so but if you're going to make it it'd be really nice if you could do do it the way netflix would and pull out all the stops and make it good and not make any artistic compromises. So, so I like all kinds of things. I just don't necessarily like, you know, the canvas in which all pieces of art are painted on. Sure, that makes sense. Yeah. I can respect that. Then they did, so between season one and two, they did the Christmas special. Mm-hmm. Did you see, do you remember that? I don't remember it specifically, but in my app that I use to track all my TV watching, that that was something I remembered seeing. It's because it was totally forgettable and lame. Was it? Yeah, I remember watching it thinking, what was the point of that? Like, it didn't go anywhere. I really, was really disappointed because I wanted something, but there was nothing to binge. It was like, all right, and there was a Christmas special, the bridge season one and season two. It was pointless. I seem to recall it was pointless. I don't know if it Um, had a bigger connection to season two. I think it was definitely something nice to tide us over, but yeah, I don't remember... I don't remember there being anything, uh, you know, it's just supposed to be, yeah, I don't know. How does it look on Netflix on the menu? Are you looking at that now? No, Okay, because I think at the time it was just, it was season one Mm -hmm. and boom, in a separate category within the same menu, the Christmas special. And then I think that kind of got lumped into season two. So if you watch it uh, contiguously, it might not be as much of a bitter disappointment as it was the first time around, but I remember thinking it was a bitter disappointment. Because we wanted more. Yeah, and I had an ex-girlfriend at the time who had asked her if she'd seen Sabrina, and she said no, and I said, oh, I really enjoyed it. She said, should I watch it? Or, like, would mm-hmm. you want to watch it again? I said, you know, I don't know if I loved it enough to watch it again, but I really liked it. And I don't yeah. know why I said that, because by the time season two was on, and I poof, was done with it, <laughs> yeah. season three was on, and poof, I was done with it. I thought, why did I, like, make believe to myself that I just didn't want to watch it from scratch with her. I just wanted her to get caught up on it, because I really, really, really wanted to continue yeah, with it. Yeah, it's not something that's fun. Like, I, I don't feel like it's one of those where you really want to rewatch it. Like, I'm re-watch, like really rewatching Battlestar Galactica right now, and it's one of those where, like, it needs a rewatch. Like, give it, give it a couple years, and you're going to want to. But this yeah. one's kind of one of those... I don't know. It's the novelty of it the first time you watch it through. But once you know all the answers and how it goes, I, I think it would be less interesting. Like it really weaves an interesting mystery. And then once we reveal it that it's, I don't know, probably not as exciting to revisit. And that's not like a problem with it. I think yeah. I don't feel like all TV should be something you watch again and again. I think just, you know, having value as a one-time watch is great. But to me, great cinema mm-hmm. is great literature yeah and great television is great cinema Mm -hmm. there are movies ben-hur comes to mind charlton heston with the chariot scene like there are movies that i feel history recognizes because of its triumphs in whatever category you know the ambitious undertaking in which you know that scene was that you'd never seen such a thing that would have been digital today or whatever um and 
and those movies get rewatched. Yeah. There are TV shows that time will tell, but I think there will be a culture of classic shows that will rewatch, you know, you that that nerds of a different generation continue to expose their kids to Star Wars and uh kind of need to because it's a part of the family culture oh yeah breaking absolutely. bad comes to mind with like you need yeah. to see this like I there will be see, shows that's that another are one where i don't think i'd rewatch it it was fun well but... there's so much good shows there's so much good content out there i don't have time to watch them all the first time mm-hmm. so so there's not very many second watches i imagine someday i'll have babies that like okay uh when i'm talking about breaking bad i'm sort of gonna need you to know what's going on there <laughs> Well, and when you date somebody that you are pretty sure is going to be your forever person, you're like, okay, I'm sorry, you need to know all of this because it will be something be on that the I. Test later. <laughs> the test is cumulative. <laughs> yeah, this is just you know something you reference a lot, or it's just a big part of your life, so they they do need to know. Yeah, yeah. and so that's you know when it becomes worth a, another watch through. It sounds like you weren't sure that this girl was your forever girl. And- <laughs> weren't ready to rewatch it or it was just too soon i don't know there would have been other things i needed to rewatch the show was still in production like get caught up i don't we gotta you know you gotta see breaking bad still i will say though i got tired of rewatching breaking bad with with girls that i thought might stick around because they didn't and i consequently i've just started season one like five times well i'm not that big of a of a man ho well, I was thinking that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I was going to say it in more of a uh, self-deprecating way. I'm, I'm, really? I'm not that more... big of a Casanova that I could <laughs> oh. ha- you know, that I would have had a need to rewatch it five times. But, you know, three or four. It's like, what? Like, I can't remember season two. I got it with season one. I got it. <laughs> and then here we are again where he lights the guy's car on fire with the squeegee thing at the gas station. It's like, oh, this is always the time that I break up with somebody. No. <laughs> Start it over. So I don't know. We'll talk when I get married. We'll see then. That'll be funny. But then I got I got like 40, I got 54 years of Star Trek to catch her up on. Oh, that poor soul. <laughs> poor, poor soul. <laughs> well, hopefully she's not like me and can skip the first couple of seasons. Yeah, no, you'd be a deal breaker. Yeah, no, absolutely. You're a deal breaker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I have to watch them in order, and so I did not ever get to the part of you know the good part of next gen. I just didn't. I got partway into the second season, and apparently doesn't. Get- <laughs> you just look so defeated yeah, right first now. First of all, season two was a writer strike, and that was Pulaski. <laughs> and so it doesn't even count. A lot of those are recycled scripts from the abandoned Phase Two Star Trek series before they made the motion picture instead. So like. You know, this is an area where where there's a subject matter expert and you're not. Yeah, no, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the truth is I haven't seen all of every Star Trek. It's too much. Like, if yeah, you, if you didn't watch it live at the time, because my dad was a hardliner that said, not nah, next generation Star Trek. Baloney on five, which he kept getting Babylon 5 confused with Deep Space Nine, like most people did in those days. Yeah. And Voyager just didn't count. Sure. So I still try. I try to rewatch those ones today, and it's like, oh my god, this is so. There's so much of it, <laughs> like, like, and you always have to get through the first two or three seasons first before it becomes worthwhile. Those are never the classic years. Yeah. Anyway, it's for a different day. Ah, <sighs> your um, Star Trek pilots, as we start knocking them out, are going to be brutal. I think. <laughs> no, no, no. I took Not the criticism. I took the criticism last time, which oh, was, sure, sure. hey. Uh, You've got to watch this as a TV reviewer, not as a nerd, basically. Uh, and, I, and it's got to be, 
it's got to be welcoming for you to actually watch <laughs> okay, it and have something yeah, to say on it. The Trekkie snobbery, but that's totally not what I was talking about. I just, the <laughs> fact that their pilots are mm, not right. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to find a nice way to, you know, poo poo on your thing. <laughs> but you know, you no, know it's some bad. Of them are bad. The fandom knows it's bad. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, should we, what are we doing next week? I don't know. Did you want to? You I do. Brought, I, I, I <laughs> had a that feeling note, that's let's, oh um, let's uh, segue, segue. Into independent milestones. Uh, yeah. Star Trek Discovery, which is in the middle. We're kind of past the middle of season three now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and depending on the time that you see this, we're about wrapping up with season three here soon. Um, so probably a good time to catch up on what's been going on there lately. Yeah. Uh, so Star Trek Discovery on the CBS All Access app. That's what we'll be yeah. discussing next time. That's what I'll be nerding out about and which Shmi will be tolerantly uh, taking an interest in. Thank you very much. I'll be doing it for the first time. So all of you Trekkies, just have a little patience with me when I ask <laughs> you what some really blatantly obvious if you watch. I'm at least going to try to do my Lower Decks homework and finish that. So that yeah. way I come in with some background knowledge. But, you know. Otherwise, I, I watched, you know, some of the original and then, you know, the first, t- almost the first two seasons of Next Gen, which really doesn't count. So, mm. well, <laughs> so, so old, too. You. Like, nobody goes back. And, well, I've asked you this before mm-hmm. when I've tried to uh, put holes in the logic of when can I start? Mm-hmm. Like, you have to start at season one. I know for a fact that you don't start Doctor Who in season one. Um, I don't do the old series. Like I, I watch the reboot very specifically, um, which I feel like is almost a different universe and same with Battlestar. Yeah. Like I always forget that there's like an original Battlestar where like, you that know. It is a different series. Exactly. And same with Doctor Who. But does Doctor Who, does the modern Doctor Who start at season one? Yeah. Oh, mm, yeah, I think so. I, they make, oh yeah, I think it is. Cause I think of it as season right. one. Well, you when get... you're positive, we'll talk about it. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to look right now. <laughs> Doctor Who. Who are you? Who, 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 who? Yeah, because I'm pretty sure they consider it... Oh, you know what it is? It's They go by the number of the Doctor, and so it's never it's never a which, uh, which season. It's, you know, the ninth Doctor starts off the season one of the reboot. So you are oh. on the ninth Doctor, so it doesn't ignore what happens before. Interesting, it, but it reboots it as uh yeah. I needed a refresh on season it. Season one of the so it's kind of a BC AD sort of thing. Sure. Well, like here's the marker where you know mm-hmm. there was yeah, different yeah, yeah. years, different history, but we kind of keep track of time differently here. Yes. Season one of the reboot is Doctor Nine. Yeah. So the, the ninth sixth doctor. season of the reboot is Doctor Twelve or whatever. You're doing it in the wrong order. It's the ninth doctor. It's the tenth doctor. It's the eleventh doctor, not Doctor Twelve, because it's Doctor no, Who. No, no, I said season twelve. Oh. Oh, the tw- no. Okay, is that- Oh, I've said <laughs> it in the wrong order. Yeah, you said it's Doctor okay, Twelve, fine. and I'm like, no, All it's right. the twelfth doctor. British shows, right? I know they made up the English language. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Until we need to misunderstand something, but hey, that's a personal story. Um, I think that's all we've got. We've that's gone all long we got. and uh, you know, gone long and hard. <laughs> That's what she said. Um, next she week. She didn't say that to me. <laughs> she said that was sort Star of medium Trek. and medium. Star Trek <laughs> Discovery next week. Hey, uh, I'm Riker. And I'm Shri. And this is Pilot. Pilot.